0: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to allow people to get settled in now and grab some coffee wherever they are from home, and we're going to play some music from Brian Karn, Trouble Don't Last. You may have heard this song before, but part of our greatest hits. Good Good morning, my lovely bride. How you doing? (laughs) Hey, Mr. Gaines, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Boy, oh boy, I wish we were where you are. (laughs) I just, it's not even close. I'm not going to call out any temperatures either. I'll just let you use your imagination. He's in Florida. (laughs) Good morning. We're doing a whopping eight degrees right now. Anitra, good morning. Jackie, good morning. Everybody's bouncing on. Great. Good morning. I know. Yeah, they're not leaving the house. (laughs) Good morning. We appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Good morning, good morning. Appreciate you being here. Hey, Lisa, good morning. Yes, yeah, chilly. And the wind chill makes it chillier. Chili burr Roscoe and Arella, good morning, good morning, thank you for being here, (laughs) sounds like an orca, it's an underwater, underwater signal. Sister Pearl, Brother Walter, good morning. Jackie, you're right. A mug of coffee. A mug. Big mug. Especially if you have to be outside for any length of time. I don't plan to be. Good morning, good morning. Starting a new study today, a new study in the book of Acts. Appreciate you being here. uh Brian Carn, Trouble Don't Last. Uh, it's not grammatically correct, but we get the idea. Um, and uh, it's a good way to start this morning's Sunday school session, reminding us about God's goodness, frankly. Uh, God's goodness in the midst of difficulty, struggle. Um, we always have to focus on what's good, even when things are not going well. And I think that's the... Um, lesson for all of us, frankly. Um, We want to make sure that we're focusing on the goodness of God. God is the one who is active in our lives. He is always uh, desiring to have a close relationship with us. He wants us to be close to him. And I think that in this teaching here, we're going to see how important that truly is, especially when we look at the transition that's being made from when Jesus was on earth for 40 days after his ascension, after his um, rising from the dead and before his ascension, he was providing instruction for the disciples in order to be able to carry out the mission that was being given to them. And I just want you to recognize that Jesus is with us all the time. He is with us. He's ever-present. And we, thank, we are thankful for that because of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that, too, very uh, briefly during today's Sunday School lesson. Pastor Gus is going to be bringing the message today. That is the plan. He will be bringing the message. And immediately before uh, morning service, our prayer ministry will gather for a few minutes after Sunday School just to spend some time in prayer and get, get back together and be able to um, just give matters to the Lord that come to mind, give matters to the Lord that comes to our hearts, that are in our hearts, and share with him. And just remember just to keep praying. And that's going on between Sunday school and the church service today. Um, Remember your tithes and offerings, everybody. For those of you who are online, we appreciate your giving consideration to... Uh, the aspect of worship through giving. If you are mailing your tithes and offerings to us, please do so to Akron Alliance Fellowship. And the address is 688 Diagonal Road in Akron, Ohio, 44320. And we appreciate you doing that. And we thank you for praying. For those of you coming to church, of course, you could just uh, put your uh, tithes or offerings in one of the blue envelopes that's provided. And drop it off in the drop box in the vestibule because we don't pass around a collection plate anymore, which is, I'm okay with that. We, we all can figure out how to handle that situation. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but we appreciate you being here this morning. Let's get now into today's lesson in the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. If we were to label this particular uh, section of Scripture, it really is the transition point between the last words we read, frankly, in the book of John, and we move right into Acts, and we see the transition, and we're going to see the beginnings, uh, not this particular lesson, but the next lesson that we get into in Acts chapter 2. The beginnings of the church, and how the church is being established. And. Much of the focus in the book of Acts in the first section here is going to be involving Peter's ministry and it will be transitioning uh, over to Paul as well uh, later on. But here we're going to be looking at how Jesus had promised the Holy Spirit and then we see that he ascends into the clouds at the end of this section that we're reading. It's really a debate whether or not to do part of this lesson This week and another part next week, but I think we can get the whole thing done, but we're going to be looking at some passages in between, so Mm -hmm. I'm just preparing you for that right now uh, so that you know. But this is going to be a good lesson to see this whole transition thing and recognizing that, boy, where would we be without the Holy Spirit? Because that's what's going to be really important for us to see here. Where would we be without the Holy Spirit? Let's look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we thank you for now quieting our hearts, allowing us to be able to hear what you have to say. We thank you for your loving kindness and your presence this morning. We thank you for the teaching that comes with uh, just really getting into your word more and more and just, frankly, praying and meditating on what you have to say to us. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing to help encourage us, especially reminding us through the music When trouble comes, it won't last because you are indeed present to help us through those situations. And we thank you for that encouragement. Bless us now, Lord, and we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Acts chapter 1. We're going to start with verses 1 through 11. And we're going to go through the reading of the passage and then go do a little bit more deep diving. Some key words I want you to pay attention to as we get through this passage um, about what we're going to be reading. There's one key word, especially to focus on that word, is power, and we're going to talk about that. It's going to be really important for us to see that as well, too. Let's look at Acts 1, verses 1 through 11, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, and let's get started. Verse 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. For 3, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Verse 5, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Go. All right, that's Acts 1, verses 1 through 11. And we're setting the stage where, um, by all accounts, Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts. He is the one who is the historian. He is the one that is giving the accounts as to what is taking place. That's very similar to how he wrote his own gospel. He was a no-nonsense writer. He just gave the facts. Just the facts, mm-hmm. ma'am. Just like anything else. He, he just writes it down. That's what he records. And he's doing the same thing here now in the book of Acts. And he's referring to Theophilus. Theophilus is obviously a good friend of his. He's Theophilus is not a a character or somebody who is just assigned. um, He is an actual person and his name means a lover of God, which means that Theophilus, Theophilus has a great interest in what Luke has to say. And so we're giving this account as he's telling a story and writing a story or writing a long series of letters to Theophilus. And this is essentially, the book of Acts is essentially the story about you know, we, we hear a lot of references, first of all, about this being the Acts of the Apostles because that's what Acts refers to. But the, this really are the Acts of Jesus after he rose from the dead and after he ascended into heaven. The continuing Acts of what Jesus had done. The Acts of the ascended Christ. And let's face it, the things that we refer to as miracles, the things that we refer to as God's testimony in our life, he still... Acting, He's still moving forward with us in the same manner. But this is what is going to take us into what we would call the modern era as far as our relationship with Jesus and how relevant it is to us. And that's exactly what was taking place. He had to go to heaven to allow for the emergence of the presence of the Holy Spirit And He is that presence, the Spirit living within us. And that's what we want to recognize here. I like how Luke mentions how He passed within a cloud. It's as if uh, the writer F.B. Meyer says it's like a curtain being dropped before Him by going into heaven. And He had to go into heaven to do what? Make intercession for us. He had to rise into heaven. Initially, when He rose from the dead, He went to heaven. He was our eternal sacrifice. And now He's at the right hand of the Father. As we read about later when we look at Acts, He's right there with the Father. He is right there with Him. He is, there's nothing that takes place that is not, uh, He's not aware of. He certainly is aware of it. And He had to go to heaven to do what? Put the enemies... His enemies at the footstool. Let's go back to verse 1, Acts 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. And essentially, let's read verse 2, sorry. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. So there's a bridge that's taking place here. When he's speaking, when Luke is speaking to Theophilus, he's talking about what? The 30 years... Of time after Jesus went into heaven. So the the book of Acts technically covers about 30 years. 30 years from the moment he went into heaven up until 30 years later. And if you really think about it, 30 years is not that long a time, but we're getting a pretty good summary of the beginnings of the church and what was taking place during that time. We're talking about the very aspect of Jesus telling his disciples to be witnesses to all nations. And this period of time now, we're going to cover is 30 years of that time. And it was going to be spread from, we'll look at the, where it says further down in verse 8, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It was about going to preach the good news. And the eventual destination is going to be the Roman Empire, Rome itself. Rome, Italy. And you have to understand, back at that time, Rome, Italy literally was the center of the world when it came to activity. It really was the activity where once it got to Rome, there was no stopping the gospel. There was no stopping being advancing literally to the ends of all the earth. And that's important for us to see. Jesus spent 40 days teaching the disciples... And we know how the disciples were Um, before Christ went to the cross and after he rose. They were all over the place. They were still learning, 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 growing, growing, growing. And it wasn't until, frankly, when Jesus breathed the Spirit onto them after he had appeared, where they had understanding based upon what they were being taught. But that breathing on the Spirit was not the actual baptism of the Spirit. That was just a precursor for the Spirit coming. And we need to remember these disciples were just like you and me. They were confused half the time. They had argued about who was the greatest. They wanted to know, you know because we have this association with Jesus, who's going to be the best, the greatest in heaven. They had that argument. Um, And Peter just let out a light about knowing who Jesus was at the end. But it was this time that Luke is referring to here, the 40 days between His rising from the dead and His ascension, where there was some serious teaching taking place between Jesus and the disciples. And they needed to be taught in order to be what? Most effective in their gospel. Guess what we need to have also? We need to be taught just like that. We need to be taught in the same manner. And the teaching continues. But, how are we able to internalize and take this information into account? We have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we recognize the presence of the Spirit. And that's how we all have this in common. The Holy Spirit. There's a oneness of mind through the Spirit. There's a oneness of mind of the goodness of Jesus Christ. There's a oneness of mind when we can sing the song, Trouble Don't Last. Because we recognize what Jesus Christ is doing for us. And so Luke is giving us this information to help us to understand Everything that happened to Jesus and what was taking place now after he ascended, which we will read about at the end of this particular section and go into greater detail uh, when we resume the teaching next week. Go back to verse 3, Acts chapter 1. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and prove to them in many ways that he was actually alive. You know, he really did have to do that, didn't he? He had to prove he was alive. You know, Jesus rising from the dead flies in the face of any logic or understanding. And he had to keep appearing to them and teaching them and showing them he was alive. He wasn't an apparition. He wasn't a ghost. Remember the times they were talking about, it's a ghost on the water. This was before he, of course, went to the cross. But he had to show that he was alive and he actually had to show too that he was essentially the bridge to the kingdom of God. He was the one to pay attention to. Now we say all of this because, let's face it, even back then between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they didn't believe in a resurrection. And there are a lot of people today who don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. They won't believe it. I mean, they're even, they even—they even tried to the, his enemies tried to make a deception, saying, "Well, we're just going to make it like that his body was stolen out of the tomb and he—he he was just being taken away and hidden somewhere else or whatever." But at the end of the day, that, of course, is not true. But you have to choose to believe that Jesus is alive, don't you? You got to make that choice that Jesus is alive you've got to make the choice that he is a risen Savior. He is an active, living Savior. He's not in a tomb. He's not in a grave. And the reason why we can believe that is because of faith. We weren't there. We're not eyewitnesses. We're reading an account of what took place. But it's because of our faith we believe that Jesus is indeed The Son of God who rose from the dead for the purpose of eradicating the penalty for our sins. It takes faith. But Jesus came back and showed himself to the disciples to prove he was alive. Remember what the disciples were doing after Jesus went to the cross, they were hiding. They were afraid. They were disappointed. They did not understand what was taking place. They spent time with this man for two years, watching him perform many miracles, do many, many different things to bring people to him. And here he was. He was gone. But he had to go. He had to leave. But once they saw the resurrected Christ... Once they saw Jesus, once they saw Him return, once He sat before them in that room, had some fish as they were staring at Him eating, (laughs) they recognized that whatever they were feeling before was no longer necessary because they believed in Jesus to the degree that they were fearless. They could not be deterred from ministry. Understand something. If you are fearful, you will stop you will not be proclaiming anything. You'll be repelled. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. The enemy wants you to be fearful about speaking the truth about Jesus. He wants you to be fearful at all times. He doesn't want you to take a step of faith and move out. By how Jesus spoke to these disciples, they risked everything. They wanted to spread the good news. They faced A lot of hostility, but they recognized that Jesus indeed was the king worth going to jail, being imprisoned, the beatings, the floggings, being rejected, being opposed, being martyred. Being martyred. We've said this before that of all the disciples that were with him, 11 of the 12 were martyred. Not Judas. Not Judas Iscariot. We're not talking about him. But Matthias who took over, he was martyred too by all accounts. There was only one that wasn't. That's John. But it didn't mean John didn't go through beatings. He did. He went through everything that these other disciples went through. He was exiled. But it was worth the effort and if Jesus was fake or Jesus was false if what they saw was only an apparition in their own minds they wouldn't have done all this they wouldn't have gone forward and you have to understand something the Holy Spirit was present in them to do this work to enable them to do this work but they still had to go and do it they still had to step out and do it they still had to be enabled to do it because of what they believed. They knew that Jesus was alive. They knew that even though He had ascended into heaven, He was present, He was alive, He was there. And we know this just based upon what we're going to be following here in Acts as we read through it. And understand that when we compare our lives to what they went through, we, we're, we have it easy, relatively speaking. We really do. I don't mean to in any way diminish any difficulty that we go through, but the reality is all that Jesus is asking us to do is have a mustard seed a measure of faith to go and speak His truth and believe in Him and trust in Him. And we rely upon the Spirit as we do that. So we see that this work has been described uh, as far as what Jesus was going to do, frankly, as an act, after He ascends. Amen? He's the one who is the, the catalyst in all of this activity through the power of the Spirit. Let's go back to verse 4 in Acts chapter 1. Once when he, this is Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Who do we see being mentioned here in this breath, these verses 4 and 5? The actual Trinity itself. Jesus himself, the Father is being referred to. And the Holy Spirit is being referred to. And this is a unique relationship. It's interesting that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have a relationship with each other, and yet there are three persons, but it's one God. I can't explain that. I'm not going to try. But we have to look at the Holy Spirit as being very, very important in this process. Jesus physically could only be in one place at one time when He was a human on earth. But what does the Holy Spirit do? Holy Spirit is everywhere. The Holy Spirit goes everywhere. The Holy Spirit moves within every believer. Everywhere. Everywhere where there's a believer in Jesus Christ, guess who's present? Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling Holy Spirit is everywhere. And remember, the the, the disciples... The apostles, when they were indwelled with the Spirit, they were the ones that were carrying the Spirit with them, and as well as others who were with them, and that's when they became when people became believers, and the Spirit would become would be indwelled within them. They had to become true believers, because we'll also read about accounts where in certain parts of Scripture people did believe, but they didn't believe to the degree that Jesus was the Messiah. And they had to be taught the additional teachings to recognize that with the presence of the Spirit then at that point. Let's stay focused on the task here. The Holy Spirit was sent so that God would be with His followers, His believers. The Holy Spirit was sent for us. Can we agree that we are a new creation because we have the indwelling Holy Spirit in our lives. The old things have passed away. All things have become new because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. I think we can agree to that. The tendency to sin is still there, but we're reminded that because we love Jesus and we love His Word, we stay in His Word, We want to keep the Word in our heart to do what? Sin less. Love Jesus more, sin less. Love others more, sin less. And that's important for us to see too. And Jesus had promised to us the Holy Spirit. It's to guide us about knowing the truth. It also reminds us of His words. We're going to look at some passages in John chapter 14 through John chapter 16. Not all of it, of course, just some of it. Turn to John 14. Take a look at John with me. John 14. And of course, we just completed the study in John, so we've seen these passages, but let's do a refresher. John 14, verse 6 and 7. And... As a homework assignment, you're welcome to go back and read John chapter 14 through John chapter 16. Just These are all truths that Jesus spoke in his teachings to his disciples and to others who were listening. For John 14, verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. We have a direct reflection of the Father through looking at the life of Jesus Christ, our Father in heaven. He is telling us very plainly that we know who God is because we observe the life of Jesus Christ. It can't be more clear than that. Drop down to verses 12 through 14. John 14, verses 12 through 14. Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you're in the will of Jesus Christ and you are asking for anything in that will, he's going to provide it for you. He has no reason to hold it back from you. He will do that. He will enable you. He gives you encouragement. He is able to do all of these things because He has that ability through the Father to do those things. And the Father is being glorified through the Son. And how are we able to do all these things? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. He has to go away to the Father for what? The coming of the Spirit to be indwelling with us go to John chapter 15, look at verse four. John 15 verse four. "Remain in me and I'm and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me that fruit." is derived from that relationship we have through the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit. But you have to be aligned with and remain in fellowship with Jesus to produce this fruit. Drop down to verses 12 through 14. John 15, verses 12 through 14. This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Amen. And drop down to verse 18. And this is the section where we don't want to hear about it, but we get persecutions. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. He's telling you this because he wants you to understand what you go through is because the world hates Jesus. That makes perfect sense. When we look at the world today, we're reminded in Scripture about how the world is going to do what it does. The world is going to derail believers because of matters like the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, all those things. But he's telling you that the world hates him as well too. And one more reading. Go over to chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. I felt it was important to cover these things because Jesus gives us reminders all the time through scripture about why we are enabled to do what we do. John 16, verses 13 and 14. And this refers to the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but He will speak whatever He hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. Whatever He hears from who? From Jesus. He's speaking. He's acting on behalf of the words of Jesus. He's acting on behalf of the words from the Father. Verse 14, He will glorify Me because He will take from, from what is Mine and declare it to you. He's making a statement Unequivocal statement right there that Jesus is the one who is acting. He is merely, the spirit mirrors exactly what Jesus would have us to do. And so this, I went through this exercise of reading through John chapter 14 through 16, just some passages there just to give you guidance as to what this Holy Spirit was going to do for these apostles. And you're being baptized by the Holy Spirit. Baptized. It has to do with the total work that the Spirit does through Christians. Not just being breathed on, not just being touched on the shoulder, but a complete immersion within the believer. And the Spirit is actually marking the beginning of the Christian experience. It's a new day. It was a brand new thing that we'll read about next week in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit came. But it's all about now the modern day Christian experience. We cannot be Christians without the Spirit. We cannot be Christians without the Spirit. Where is that at? Go to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 9. I'll focus my eyes here. Romans 8, 9. Romans 8, verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Period. That's the end of story. Without the Spirit, you're not going to be able to do what you do in Christ. End of story. And I like how he says, you, are, however, ever not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Because, let's face it, the only one who really truly knows that the Spirit is living within is you. And the one thing I've been wrestling with lately a lot is about how there are a lot of people who declare themselves to be believers in Jesus, but they may not actually be believers in Jesus because of the fact that they are not acting in the spirit. They're acting in their own flesh. They're acting in their own ability. They're doing what they want to do, but they are highly subject to the temptations of the world, and they will live in the world. And even the writers of the, the epistles that are written here they struggle with the same thing. They have talked about this over and over again because there's so much deception in the world today. You know, the fact that you know, Satan can come as an angel of light and deceive people, that should give you pause right there. But we cannot be joined to Christ without a Spirit. And there's other passages here we don't have time to go through But we cannot be in the body of Christ except by the baptism of the Spirit. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 13. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Given one spirit into one body. Baptized. Baptized literally means we're immersed with the spirit. In the same way we perform baptisms where a person, you remember this well, you literally go under and come up. Well, the Spirit immerses us internally. That's baptism. Baptism of the Spirit. And it's important to understand that we have this indwelling Spirit to allow us to be able to do this. And what does that Spirit give us? We'll be looking at this as we go further down the passage. Go back to Acts chapter 1. Verse 6. And let's read down. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking Him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Verse 7. The Father alone, He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Now, let's honestly, they're, they're asking the question in a sincere manner because they know that they were under Roman rule, they were under authority, they were hoping... That Jesus was the one to free Israel from the power of the Romans or Roman Empire and become their king, but that's not—that wasn't his purpose. Jesus didn't come to Earth to do that. He came to do much more than that, frankly. But they had the limited understanding based upon what the readings—they they were making an association, what they read in Scripture, what they had known about in Scripture—that he was going to come to restore the kingdom. But look at what it says in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That power is so important in how we do what we do. The power that we get gives us what? I'll just read from the commentary. Courage, boldness, confidence, insight, ability, and authority. And I love that insight too, because insight can also be taken with you have discernment as well. God enables us in many, many different ways because of the very presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'll just put it out there, before the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, you didn't have all this stuff. You may have had it in your own way of doing certain things. You may have been confident in your own abilities and, and doing certain things, but that's not the same thing as what the Spirit gives to you. The Spirit gives you that extra juice <laughs> to be able to do what you do. For those of us who are coffee drinkers, the Spirit gives you that extra jolt. <laughs> He allows you to do many, many different things We're on your own, before that cup of coffee, it's like, man, you forget it. <laughs> but the disciples are going to need all of this. They're going to need every one of these things that Jesus is talking about to do what? Fulfill their mission. Being confident in what you're doing is really, really important. Stepping out in faith being confident that you're going the direction that God has you to go, following the course that He lays before you. What does it say in Proverbs about the path, how God makes the path straight for you, how He lays out a course for you? He tells you this. But you have that confidence because of the presence of the Spirit. These apostles had a mission. You have a mission. What's your mission? Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go to all the ends of the earth. Speak about the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's your mission. You have a mission too. And Jesus told His disciples to witness to people to all nations. But they had to wait First for the Holy Spirit. Go back to Luke real quick. Luke chapter twenty four. We're on the home stretch. Luke twenty four. And interestingly enough, Luke gives the account in Acts, but here's his own account in his own gospel. Luke twenty four. Verse 49. And look, I am sending you what my Father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. He's promising the Spirit right at that point. This was after he is resurrected. He is letting them know. And that's why Jesus is saying, as I told you before in the passage here, Go back to Acts 1 verse 9. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now that's a prophetic statement because by all accounts when Jesus returns to earth this is not the rapture because remember in the rapture he meets us in the air. He does not put his feet on the ground during the rapture. The second coming of Christ he is going to come back down through the clouds in the same manner and be on that same Place land in that same area where they, he departed from. And that's a study that, I don't want to digress from that, but I just want to make sure that, digress and get into where exactly this is, but it's essentially in the same area where he's going to return. And he's going to do it in the exact way that he left. And we need to understand that Jesus returned to heaven. They knew at that point, those disciples who watched him knew that he went up to heaven to be with the Father. And the white-robed men, of course, were angels. They were basically proclaiming what was taking place. The angels have an important responsibility in Scripture. You know what they do? They actually put forth proclamations He did that. If you go back further in Luke, what happened when uh, we read about the account of the, the shepherds looking up in the sky? Who made the proclamation about Jesus? The angels did. And they're always there to give us information, to recognize that the angels are working on God's behalf too, to give us information. And that's what they did in this case here too. But they're making the statement at the same time. Someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Someday. That is a statement. That's a proclamation that Jesus is coming back. There's no other way to look at this. Because we're still, you know, there are still people who are looking for him to come the first time, but he's definitely coming back. And so that gives us a reminder to be ready for him to come back. And frankly, as far as we're concerned, whether it's the rapture or whether it's the second coming, it doesn't. At, at this point, we just need to be ready. It doesn't matter. Be ready. And for as long as we have breath, we are to do what? Complete our mission for Christ. As long as we have breath, we're to complete our mission for Christ. As long as we have breath, as long as I'm talking to the, the residents in the nursing home about the goodness of Christ and you know, their minds are... They still know how to process who Jesus is. You keep talking about it. You keep giving them the desire to pray for their relatives, the people that they know who don't know Jesus, and they know that too. You better believe they know members in their family who don't know the Lord. As long as you have breath, you give praise to the Lord and you make that proclamation. You make the mission statement. You fulfill the mission statement that you have in your life because you've got important work to do. And these apostles, the disciples here, they know they have important work to do. And they know that they're being sent out to do it. And as we get further into this account, We're going to see what they have to deal with. We have people uh, online who are actually mentioning right now about the need for prayer. And I didn't see all of those comments. I'm going to let my lovely bride address those. And we'll, we'll take those into our prayer ministry when we leave the class today. Thank you for sharing what your needs of prayer are. We will definitely take those matters into prayer. We're going to conclude this uh, lesson today. Let's let's pray. Father, thank you again for your presence. Thank you for the reminders of your goodness and thank you for showing us beyond a shadow of a doubt. Even with this brief mention in the passage that you indeed were here. You indeed were present. You indeed had the influence to change the world. And may we be the world changers as well too as we go forth with the message of the gospel, the message of truth, the message of peace and the message of salvation. Thank you, Lord, for this Holy Spirit that you give to us to enable us to do those very things. Thank you for the power that comes from our union with you to speak boldly about who you are and your truth. Bless us, Lord, at this time and we give you thanks and we give you praise for all these things In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's live stream Sunday school for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here today. God bless you and take care of yourselves. Thank you for all the prayer requests as well too. We will put those into play right now afterward in our prayer ministry. God bless you, take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time.